0: We are downtown, we are historic, we are family, we are scriptural, we are First Baptist Church. Yeah, that was perfect. In fact, that's a perfect segue into our text for today. So we come to Second Chronicles chapter 3. Our reverse text for the week has been uh, the whole chapter, 17 verses. But for the sermon and for this time together, we're going to focus in on verses 1 and 2. So let's stand together and we'll read aloud 2 Chronicles 3, 1 and 2. This then is the text for today. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David at the place that David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. He began to build on the second day in the second month of the fourth year of his reign. May God bless the reading of his word. Verse 1 begins with a morsel so sweet it brings with it a rush of memories and awaited anticipation of what's to come right here in the beginning of second Chronicles chapter 3 we hear of the place where the temple is to be built Mount Moriah Mount Moriah is a peak that surpasses Everest in historical significance now practically Mount Moriah only stands some 2,500 feet but Moriah is where humanity has met God for millennia, a place where heaven has met with earth, a place where the spiritual has reached down and touched the physical. Now, I know when it comes down to it that we feel closer to God on most any rocky peak. It's like when you snowshoe through the Rocky Mountains and you look down over God's creation. It's hard not to feel that much closer to the Lord. But there is a distinct history at Mount Moriah. She stands as a holy, biblical monument to God's provision. You know, it's, it's amazing. We first hear of Mount Moriah in Genesis, first book of the Bible, chapter 22. It's a biblical story that most of us know fairly well. Abraham is called by God to sacrifice his son. And he's called to go to a mountain in Moriah. Abraham saddles his donkey. He takes Isaac and two others with him, and off they go. It's a gut-wrenching journey for us, unthinkable that any of us would ever give up our son like this. Yet in the same way as we look back on Genesis chapter 22, we can't help but to imagine the person of the Christ, Jesus himself, as the Father in heaven offers his son as a sacrifice. And here in Genesis 22, we see Abraham and Isaac. They're going along. And as Abraham travels up Mount Moriah, he makes a great statement of faith, telling everyone, um, or, or telling as all of us have, as we've been living by faith in the last 395 days, Abraham makes this same kind of statement of faith where he says, Isaac, God will provide It doesn't matter where we are or what's happening around us. God is going to be our provider. God's going to take care of us, and God is going to give us everything we need every moment we walk on the face of this earth. And as Abraham and Isaac are walking up Mount Moriah, Abraham believes it. God will provide. You know, if you're walking in faith with the Lord, there is not a detail that's left unconsidered. God is going to take care of you. God is going to provide for you better than anyone on the face of this earth. There is none of us that can even care for ourselves as God cares for his own children. And what Abraham was saying is what he noted, if God calls me to go up Mount Moriah, I will go up Mount Moriah. If God calls me to take Isaac, I'm going to take Isaac. If God calls me to do this, I will do it. God is going to provide day in and day out. And just before the knife fell, God provided a ram caught in the thicket. You know, Genesis 22, 14 sums it up le- like this. Let me read it for you. Genesis 22:14. 14, Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. And so we look to Mount Moriah. We know that at the mount of the Lord it will be provided. Everything will be provided for God's children. And what we see in this story in Genesis 22 and what we see as we move into Second Chronicles, this is a story of sacrifice. But it's not a story of sacrifice that you, you might think, because when we consider Abraham and Isaac, our imaginations have a hard time not chasing after Isaac's mental anguish or Abraham's unfettered obedience. But those are inconsequential here. The the real story of sacrifice is about who God is and what God is doing up there on Mount Moriah, how God has provided the sacrifice that matters, how God has provided the sacrifice that is needed. God took care of Abraham and Isaac that day in a perfect way as only God can. You see, God did what God does, and God brings life to those that are obedient unto him. You see, Abraham needed God that day. AND GOD SHOWED UP AND PROVIDED. YOU KNOW, AS WE CONTINUE THROUGH THE OLD TESTAMENT GENERATIONS LATER, WE COME TO KING DAVID, AND GOD INTERVENED AGAIN, SPARING LIFE FROM DEATH AT MOUNT MORIAH. AS IT GOES IN FIRST CHRONICLES, KING DAVID HAD SINNED. HE CALLED A CENSUS PREPARING ISRAEL FOR BATTLE WHEN GOD HAD NOT CALLED THEM TO. And as David was walking in disobedience, the fiery, punishing wrath of God rains down upon Israel. It says there that 70,000 people died and more were coming. Many more were about to die as the angel of death held a sword of retribution over Jerusalem. And before that sword fell upon the city, King David begged God for mercy. He said, Lord, save us. I I know this is my sin. Why why are you taking out your people because of my sin? And he cried out to God, and he said, Lord, save us. And the Lord heard his prayer. And we get 1 Chronicles 21. In fact, 1 Chronicles 21, 27, 28, it says this. As the Lord heard David crying out for mercy, and we get to 27, the Lord commanded the angel and he put his sword back in the sheath. Verse 28, at that time when David saw that the Lord had answered his prayer on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite, he offered a sacrifice there. See, here we are, Mount Moriah, another sacrifice, another moment of provision by the hand of God at Mount Moriah. You know, this time, we find God's mercy atop the mountain. God was just in his vengeance and brought down severe punishment on Israel that was deserved. And you know, this is one of the things that we wrestle with. We find it hard to recall all of the pain that we have caused in life by our own sinful impropriety. And see, what we we have trouble reconciling within ourselves is that our own sinfulness deserves death. The sin that we have committed is a call to bring down judgment from heaven. You see, one of the resounding truths of Scripture that we have to come to grips with is that we are just as culpable as Israel was. Even Israel at their worst, we have lived those same moments of terror and sinfulness. We have lived those same moments of forgetfulness and lostness. And what we, what we need to recognize is that a single sin lights a fire of judgment that should turn our lives into a smolding, smoldering ember. But God in his mercy holds back the sword of judgment for now. You know, one of the things that we see in Second Peter is how patient our Lord is. In Second Peter uh, chapter 3, we see God, God is a just and mighty God, but in his mercy he is holding back judgment so that you have time to come back to him, so that you have time to come forward to him in repentance. That The judgment of God is coming, but he's holding off, patiently waiting for you to fall to your knees and say, Lord, forgive us. Lord, send us your mercy so that he can come be the merciful God he wants to be in your life. Here from Second Peter chapter 3. I'm going to read you verses 7 and 8 says this but by his word the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire the judgment is coming as it is and then we're reminded here in verse seven there the destruction of the ungodly judgment upon men is coming on a certain day And we get to verse eight but do not let this one fact escape your notice beloved with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, a thousand years are like a day. In verse 9, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but God's patient with you. And this is how we should, should hear these words. God is being patient with us this morning. Not wishing for anybody to perish, but for all to come to repentance. The, the judgment of God is slow in coming because he, he's longing for you to come to him in repentance, to hear his voice and to fall on your knees and say, Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on me that we might be saved. You see, that's what was happening at Mount Moriah. David cried out for mercy and the Lord heard him. The Lord provided that mercy. There on top of the mountain. You see, it was on that same mountain where God held back Abraham's knife. It was on that same mountain that God held back the angel's sword. And as we move forward into, into Solomon's story in Second Chronicles, it would be the same mountain that Solomon would build the temple to house the Ark of the Covenant. And so what we see is the story of sacrifice is, is woven throughout the Old Testament— And what we recognize in the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant was first held in Moses' tent of meeting. It was there that Aaron would walk in once a year around the end of September and make a sacrifice. Make a sacrifice for himself, for his household, for the holy place, and he'd make a sacrifice for the people of God. Now, there were multiple steps, but... There was the mercy seat on top of the Ark of the Covenant, and at that mercy seat, Israel would come and beg for God's forgiveness. And, and the way they would do that is, is, is Aaron or the high priest would come in and take the blood of a golden goat and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and around the Ark of the Covenant. And it was a, a sin offering for the people of God that they might be saved. The way this happened in Leviticus 16, so, so this is before the temple when, when the ark was in Moses' tent. is in uh, Leviticus 16, 32 and 34. This is the way it worked. So the priest who is anointed and ordained to serve as priest in his father's place shall make atonement he shall thus put on linen garments and the holy garments and make atonement for the holy sanctuary he shall make atonement for the tent of meeting and for the altar he shall make atonement for the priests and for all the peoples of the assembly now you have this as a permanent statute to make atonement for the sons of israel for all of their sins once a year and just as the lord had commanded moses so he did you see a sacrifice was carried out in moses tent of meeting and and now that, that, that tent, that temporary place would now have a permanent home atop Mount Moriah, and it would be there that, that God would, would come and forgive the sins of his people, accepting their annual sacrifice at the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, to be clear, though, even this was a temporary arrangement. Though it lasted off and on for some 900 years at this temple site, that 900 years is like a day in heaven. You see, as they waited 900 years going through the sacrificial system on the Temple Mount, there was permanent hope on the horizon. Their permanent hope was coming. You see, 900 years later, God offered the, the permanence of sending his own son, Jesus Christ, to the cross as a sacrifice so that we might be saved from our own sinfully evil hearts. You see, as it goes, this story of sacrifice comes to an end in the person of Jesus Christ who died once for all that we might have new life so that the sword of death will not condemn God's children ever again. God provided the last sacrifice in Jesus Christ so that you might be saved today. He's saying, I'm waiting until you come into the Lord. I'm waiting. I'm holding back my judgment so that my mercy can flow into your life. If only you will surrender to Jesus Christ, if you would repent and believe so that you can be saved this morning. This is why Christ has come. This is why God has been so patient with you, so that you might be saved. You know, it's interesting. In Hebrews chapter 13, the Scripture reminds us in 11 and 12 that Jesus didn't die on Mount Moriah; that, in fact, Jesus died outside the city. Look like here, from Hebrews 13:11 and 12, it says this: "For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place this is what we're talking about earlier, when they would come in and sprinkle the blood of a goat on the, the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant." So are starting up here. For the, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin, they are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. So let's go to him outside the camp bearing his reproach. For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. See, in Hebrews, we're reminded Jesus didn't die on Mount Moriah. He died outside the city, as those animals were the previous 900 years, as they were burned outside the city, and their blood brought into the Holy of Holies before God. And and what we recognize is that even though Jesus Christ wasn't crucified on Mount Moriah, something dramatic happened there at the place where the blood was required. When Jesus Christ died, you remember the temple veil was was ripped in two from top to bottom, exposing the mercy seat of God to the entire world, where before one would go in annually— to be before God in the high priest, but now the mercy seat of God is open to everybody for all time in the person of Jesus Christ. At, At the crucifixion the earth rumbled and the mercy of God spread across the globe for always, for eternity. You see, at that moment in history, Mount Moriah marked the turning point of time that the story of sacrifice was brought to its bloody conclusion at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. You see, throughout history, from from the point where time begins in, in Genesis... And until we live today, God has reminded us that the single greatest problem we face, the single greatest issue at hand is our own individual sin. It is our own moments of disobedience that pull us away from God and steer us into death. And what God has told us over and over again that there is no way that you recover on your own. There is no way that you recover from sin and temptation by yourself. It doesn't happen. It only leads to death. And just like God did in Mount Moriah, all of these other moments in Scripture, God has brought life to us and said the only way you find life is in the person of Jesus Christ. He's saying, I've I've brought you to the way out The blood was sprinkled at Mount Moriah, the the temple veil was torn in two, and Jesus was there outside the city, broken for you that you might be saved. You see, what we see in the story today is before Jesus Christ, God offered and authorized sacrifices of sin offerings, and and those stood for ages as stand-ins until it was time for Jesus Christ. And that's where God provided the lasting sacrifice that every one of us needs. And what we recognize in this place this morning is as sinful as we have ever been, God has already provided exactly what we needed before we ever even knew we needed it. God provided Jesus Christ for your sake. And so the question throughout time is the question that's before us this morning, will you believe and repent this morning? Will you surrender to Jesus Christ and and accept his lead in your life this morning? Because the, the only way to God is through the cross of Jesus Christ. It's recognizing the resurrection, believing on him that you might be saved. May it be so of us this morning as we go forth. Let's pray together. Lord, there is not uh, another thing that we can do. There is not another way forward. There is not another way out. And, Lord, if, if we haven't gotten there yet this morning, we pray that you would remind us again that there is no other way. There's no way out of this mess other than with Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we pray that you would remind our hearts this morning And, Lord, for those of us who don't yet know him, we we pray, Lord, that you would make it right this morning and you would make it so. That we would jump up and we would grab a hold of the Christ and never let go. And, Lord, that we would follow him along on the way. And it's in his name, the name of Jesus Christ, who stands above every name on this earth, that we pray. Amen.